and welcome to the Stash It or Pass It podcast. We're your weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis our traffic report, and the fan favorite, anything goes culture report. And we're really happy you are joining us this week, coming at you live once again for week four. We put together a great show for y'all today. In the weather report, we're going to be introducing everyone to Marcus Moles. He is a Bitcoiner. He has been involved in this space now for about over six years. And uh, he's also going to be contributing to the traffic report, bringing us some uh, insider knowledge, some insights and education in the space. This week, we're going to be talking about the infrastructure bill and how crypto and Bitcoin has gotten wrapped into that. And we're also going to hear Marcus's story. Uh, really excited to uh, bring that to everyone. And we're really happy that he's uh, with us. In the Culture Report, Stash Adams and myself sit down with Ryan Ransom. He is a designer, photographer, entrepreneur, and creator. He's got a great story, uh, very inspirational. The guy's got a big heart and a uh, you know very mindful and uh, intentional spirit. So we're looking forward to uh, sharing that conversation with everybody. And uh, in the Cannabis Report this week, the American cannabis, uh, the American cannabis companies have uh, released all their numbers. So, my man Dr. B is going to be uh, breaking those down for us and uh, letting us know, you know, how everything is going out there. So, once again, thank you for being with us. We're really happy to bring you this show. And uh, as always, if you enjoy what you hear, please stash us where you listen to your podcasts and pass us on to all your friends and family. Don't forget to check the show notes. I'll have all sorts of different referral links to different services that, uh, you know, we use uh, that we really like. You know, again, none of this is financial advice. We're uh, just really excited to uh, educate people in these industries and, uh, you know, just share this uh, this journey together. So thanks for being with us. And don't forget, stash it. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to my favorite part of every Friday and of the week, and that is a mindful minute with my friend Stash Adams. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Big Mike. Um, we got a mindful minute coming to you this week from, uh, for me, it's where I go to get back to the basics when I find myself uh, a little straight off the path, off the wagon. Things are kind of spiraling downward because I know we all have those spirals and they they go quick. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a religious guy, but I don't always just go to the Bible. I've got some other tools in the toolbox. And one of them is uh, my winner's manual from college. Uh, it's, a, it's a tool, a book um, by Jim Tressel. You can check it out. Um, we'll drop a link to that in the bio here on YouTube. Um, but here it goes. It's called The Dash by Linda Ellis. It says, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that line was worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. 
and there's things you'd like to change. For you never know how much time is left. You could be at dash mid-range. To be less quick to anger and show appreciation more. Love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we retreat, if we treat each other with respect more often, and wear a smile. Remembering that this special dash might only last a while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived your dash? So that's it. The dash poem. Uh, it's a goodie. There's a lot to unpack in there. Um, but I think what it all comes down to is being present, um, being authentic, uh, you know, living and being your true self. And um, which, you know, I think authenticity is one of those things that is kind of the backbone of all of individuality and like living life, living your own life. Um, and I think when you kind of lose that, there's a lot of there's a lot of those spirals that can occur, you know, when you start to live for other people um, or you start to, you know, sacrifice your boundaries, um, you start to really care more about what people think than how you really feel. Um, I think those are some of the, the easy traps that we all get kind of caught up, uh, caught up in, especially in today's society with, you know, so much on social media and all these things. And, you know, only seeing the highlights from people's life. Um, I mean, we can go back as football guys you, or athletes in general. I mean, you could have a player who has a couple good plays and, you know, make a sick highlight tape, but then right. turn on the real film and, you know, the player couldn't sniff the field. You know, these are JV highlights or something, right. you know what I mean? Um, so it's just kind of, you know, just knowing that we all go through the ups and downs um, and, that there's nothing wrong with needing help or needing to talk to your friends or to therapists or anything like that, you know, just, uh, and I mean, I think above all is just knowing that you're fine just the way you are right now, you know, um, mm -hmm. with your flaws, uh, with, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, like all of it, like you're fine just the way you are, you know, it's, uh, you know, yeah, we all have things that we'd like to improve, but being present right now, this is what you can be. This is what you are. You have to be that. Work for better and improve as, you know, improve as opportunities come. You know, I, I like to, you know, JV, we've talked about things uh, about life and about how things tend to come around as loops. You know, right. like the same obstacles, the same tests presented in different forms. And you kind of have all of these opportunities to fail that test or pass it. And it's kind of like if you fail it over and over and over, like until you pass it and pass it. And it's just about building consistency in life and, um, and all those things. So mindful minute, that's it. Uh, be true to you, love yourself. Um, the grass is green where you water it. You know what I'm saying? So take care of yourself, take care of your chicken, take care of your body, take some deep breaths. Love you guys. Stash that. I'm back once again, folks. Week four. <laughs> welcome to the Stash It or Pass It podcast. I'm here with your boy Stash Adams, and welcome to the Culture Report. The Culture Report. Hey, Look who as... we got here today, Ryan Ransom. Tell him, tell him a little bit about <laughs> Ryan Ransom, JB. Hey, you know Ryan Ransom is a, a best friend of ours. 
you know, you know, ironically really known this guy since probably I was 16 years old. You know, that's another story we'll tell, uh, you know, back, back in the getting recruited by Ohio state days, you know, running around Dublin, Dublin, Ohio a little bit there, but you know, we've known this guy for a while. He's got a, you know, an incredible story. He's got a creative mind, you know, a really big heart and uh, an entrepreneur spirit. So wanted to bring him on so he could, uh, share a little bit of this story and, uh, you know, a little bit of his message too. So, uh, you know, Ryan is the <clears throat> owner and creator of Ransom Supply Co. And uh, he has a lot of different projects and uh, he's done a lot of different things in life. So without further ado, I'll let him introduce himself, but thanks for being here, my friend. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me guys. Uh, yeah. As JB was saying, I'm Ryan Ransom. Uh, pleasure to be here with you. Um, yeah, man, we go way back, both of you guys. So way back, it's like, uh, way way back, yeah. Middle um, school, and for those of y'all who don't know, so me and Ryan grew up in Dublin. Um, Ryan was a year older than me in high school. First things first about the guy for me, when you see him with the brand uh, that he's creating, it's no surprise. He's been the flyest guy around since it was your <laughs> bows and forces uh, to oh, yeah. you know him rocking the what was it, the white and green fours. And, and yes. high school hoops. Yeah, man, I can't believe you still remember those. Yeah, Bro, the, the flyest uh, guy around clean. all the time. Yeah. So clean. And it was, uh, yeah. you know, and then, you know, we go to college. Ryan moved to North Carolina for a little and then made his way back to Columbus. Um, and, yeah. you know, I think at that time when you moved back, I kind of realized some things about you were just a little bit different. You know, this was like back before Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And Ryan was a guy with the Polaroid camera back in like 2012 or 2011, <laughs> 2010, like way before all this yeah. stuff was going on. Like, you know what I mean? He was just always had a different eye. You know, whenever I saw you taking pictures of things, I'd be like, man, how in the world did you see Dude. that? You know? Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny. Uh, actually, I really discovered photography with you guys at Electric forest with my Polaroid camera that was like when I finally realized it was something that I actually wanted to do because we would just be wandering around and I'd see like a cool looking person and I'd snap a photo but then I would like give it to them instead of keep it and just seeing that reaction um, and how much like they loved it or running into them a year later and they still got it in their wallet and I was just like wow this is really special um, so yeah that, that memory is definitely with you too Absolutely, man. That creativity, man, it makes a difference. You know, it right. has a real impact. It has an impact. And it yeah. also it also steals all of, uh, you know, any impact you might have with your wedding gift because Ryan's is going to be cool. <laughs> so just a yeah. heads up for anybody that attends a wedding with Ryan Ransom. Don't even bother to don't try and out gift him. <laughs> Oh, oh thank you, thank I you. I love that. You know, another funny thing uh, about the photography thing, the first picture, like, you know, I'm big into yoga and all this now, and, like, mm -hmm. the first photos I ever took doing any kind of yoga pose, you took them. The first Yeah, one, man, those were, one, those were like, great. Oh, yeah, uh, we, we got a lot out of that session, dude. That was, that was dope, bro. We got to do roof, it again. The rooftop at the Jeffrey, remember that? Oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, so oh, even my before God. that, yeah, before, I was before thinking, Chrome Edge was a thing. Here. 
Yes, yeah. on the rooftop. We were like smoking joints doing yoga. Yep. <laughs> smoking joints doing yoga on the roof. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was that was good. <laughs> Love it. Good Speaking times, of smoking man. joints. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I love that, man. Dang, so, you know, fast forward a little bit. You got a lot of things going on, uh, but yep. the brand. Um, when, so Ryan was a guy, you know, he's like, I would say one of the original content creators in Columbus, right? Definitely, I mean, I'm putting him at number one, you know, and definitely the most original that I'd ever seen. Right. Uh, not to knock anybody else, but like, Right, I right. see a lot of the stuff that you've been doing for a long time and a lot of stuff that other people do now. You know what I mean? And yeah, I've watched other working people with copy. other brands, you know, working with other brands, building things for other people. When did you kind of make the decision and how did that decision go when you're like, all right, I'm going to do Ransom Supply. It's my time, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good question, dude. I've always wanted to do it, but I've always been working with other clients and other brands, uh, you know, doing those projects, I would take so much time and I just put it off. Like, oh, I'll do it next year. I'll do it when I, you know, next season when things free up and it just never happened. And then, yeah, last year, once the pandemic hit, you know, every, every single work opportunity got canceled or put on pause or whatever. And I looked up and we were in quarantine and then I, you know, hadn't received a paycheck in like over a month and, Things were getting a little sketchy outside and uh, it all kind of started with the mask mandate. And before that, I mean, I was at the grocery store one day walking around and I saw somebody wearing a mask and, uh, you know, I have asthma and my parents are essential workers. And I was like, damn, where do we get one of those? And this was before they were like abundantly available everywhere. But I knew it was probably a good thing to wear. So I went home. And I just Googled like how to make a mask. And I had some old, like really nice uh, Turkish cotton towels that I had done like this uh, product shot, like this, the Turkish before, cotton. Uh, this brand. So I had like the, this most amazing fabric and I decided to chop it up and like make a mask out of it. And I was just posting on my Instagram story, like this whole process over a few hours. And by the end of it, I had uh, like my buddy, who's a nurse reaching out to see if like I could give him like spare him one at the hospital. And I was like, it's just blown away because there was such a shortage at this point in time. And uh, I had nothing else to do. So I just decided to start making masks and I was donating them to, you know, my friends at the hospital to anybody who needed one. And I like made a post on Instagram about it. It was like a pay what you want thing. Like if you need one, just hit me up. And overnight, it kind of blew up and I just ran with it. I leaned all in for a couple months of just like, you know, sewing constantly and banging out like hundreds of masks every week to give to the city and give to the homeless shelters. And I, you know, I put my mom on her and I would just like sit in the kitchen and sew together. And I had my dad like packing and fulfilling orders. And it was this really cool family business for like a few uh -huh. months uh during the pandemic but masks uh was never anything i wanted to be like known for um but i realized i had this following that i could also introduce new products to and that's when ransom supply really kind of solidified as soon as i like 
dropped a bandana and I saw I had the same response with people, you know, thinking it was cool, supporting me and like, you know, I just decided to go all in. So I created my first full collection. Um, it was a handful of t-shirts and hoodies. Um, I was really obsessed with like tie-dyeing and bleaching things during this whole lockdown period. So I was just in my backyard like a mad scientist for a few months making all this product. And uh, yeah, I mean, it that's really where up. it all kicked off. Yeah, yeah. as soon crazy. as I like decided, decided to do it, I never looked back, so. It's yeah, pretty crazy how it all started right now, off as just like something nice to do. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like I think I think that's what I makes it really special. It. Yeah, it was not something that was like forced. It was just because that was the only opportunity I saw in front of me and I wasn't distracted by everything else that would be pulling me left and right in my normal day to day. And uh, I just realized like, if I put that much focus and attention on myself and my own projects, they'd be just as successful as, you know, the results I give other people when I work with them. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. Absolutely. I remember uh, the bandana when that first came out and uh, I remember yeah. you sending me some pictures and stuff. I love the design. You know, I remember one of the things on there was be here now. And I was, uh, I was, I was wondering if you could explain that to us, uh, you know, cause I know you, you have, uh, there's a lot of intention, you know, in your designs and, uh, you know, with some of your different, uh, drops and whatnot. So would love to, uh, you know, hear, you know, hear about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Be here now is definitely one of my favorite books. It's by, uh, this guy Ram Dass. Definitely check it out if you haven't heard or looked into it before, but, yeah, I pulled so much inspiration from that that book. It just has a lot of really great spiritual teachings and practices about staying present, staying in the moment. And those are the types of messages that I'm just looking to uh, put out in the, the products and what I'm sharing with the world. Um, it's nothing Ram that's Dass, Yeah, Ram Dass. Dude. Shout out Ram Dass. All uh, you guys. So that sounds like quarantine me. for us was like did you read that during quarantine i've been reading that for years man i uh oh. that's like my number one recommended book i'll like lend it out to people i know jb's had a copy before and like we'll make like notes in it pass it to the next person um it's just yeah it's Bro, so good every day so ram das is like one of my like absolute favorite minds of of all time and during quarantine, yeah. when I like realized after a couple of weeks that I was like needed to wake up and do something productive, I would wake yeah. up every day and I would usually smoke a dub, put on a, uh, you know, make some tea, put on like an hour long Ram Dass lecture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would just sit and listen and journal. I would sit, listen, yeah, journal. That's good. And it absolutely changed who I like changed who I was on a just like a self-awareness level and yeah. to a point that was just like I mean it changed the game for me and even like not now I think uh just like having the consciousness of decisions and things like that and the wherewithal of like knowing when you're wrong and being able to admit yeah. that and, you know, um, kind of like take it into mind 
to care less about really what people think when you're wrong, you know, more about just like getting it off your chest and just like being open and just yeah. vulnerable, not carrying the weight of like bad decisions and like, you know, cause you can spiral real quick, you know? Yeah. That, that weight is something serious, man. And uh, I can definitely relate because I felt like I had so much of that uh, prior to this whole brand to COVID all that I feel like before the pandemic I had so much weight on me and uh those couple months in quarantine there was a lot of just shedding every layer and then coming down to what I felt like was my true self and like re-emerging with you know how I want to be seen with and represented in the community with the money yeah I came with back the mustache, bro. came back as a yeah that's it's real. It's real shit. <laughs> it is, bro. It is. I love that. Right. So I, uh, yeah. I see you're sitting in a studio now. So would love to hear a little bit about that. You know what's going on there? Because I know, uh, you know, when you first started making those masks, I remember you. Uh, would you get it off a of Craigslist? A little, uh, a little, <laughs> a knitting type deal you plugged in the wall, and you know now you're sitting in a big old fancy studio. So love to yeah, see it. Yeah, I mean. Uh... This studio, yeah, if you can tell, it's Chromage Photo Lab. Uh, this is a spot myself and Andrew White, another Columbus photographer, we run this space. So um, this is where I'll do all my projects through. Um, and yeah, I'll post up here and bust out the sewing machi machine some days. Um, but right now I'm uh, doing a photo shoot. So this is my little break for the day. But I've got some new product for fall I'm uh, working on right now. And then I don't know if you guys remember the brand Tacma, but yeah. they uh, Tacma's coming back. So yeah, we're we're doing a little project right now as well. So I've got some of their new products. Very dope. Very nice, dope. man. You should get a little get some licensing and royalty deals going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> right, let's go. But uh, no, man, it's exciting to hear. And uh, you know, I know you just got uh, done with another successful year number three of uh what fest and uh just want to yep, congratulate you on that um yeah, thank you man yeah everyone listening um you know ransom and myself we used to uh you know work on that project uh a little bit together um when it first started you know just working in the uh different community outreach and uh sponsorship you know bringing uh bringing different brands on to uh you know sponsor our event and help us out and uh, help grow our audience but uh, would love to uh, hear a little bit about that. Um, you know, how did it all go? What was the turnout like? I mean, I know uh, there had to be a lot of uh, little hoops to jump through, but that's an incredible team y'all got there. So let us hear it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this year's festival was amazing. Uh, Ryan McKee is definitely, uh, you know, an amazing dude to help put this together with. Um, he's the other founder of this event, and Kyle Deneen, um, and then Kristen McKee. Um, but outside of that, I mean, we had a huge team that worked so hard for the last two years, including you, Jeff. Um, but yeah, this, this year's festival was amazing. It was last Friday and Saturday. Um, attendance was crazy. We had probably three to 5,000 people per night. Um, still waiting on numbers for the whole weekend, but yeah, yeah it was dope, man. It was amazing. No, man. Congratulations. I know, uh, Thank you, you know, it, it was tough, um, you know, when COVID happened, you know, we were in the works of putting together, you know, a three-day event. 
um, you know, had a lot of different sponsorships lined up, a lot of cool stuff going on. And, you know, as you guys know, a lot of that stuff, you know, fell apart for a lot of different industries, especially the event industry, um, you know, very, very badly. And, uh, you know, that team, you know, what productions and the what fest team, you know, they were able to pivot, uh, you know, like he's talking about Kyle Deneen, incredible Columbus artist, uh, and they uh, were able to pivot and, you know, really help bring a, a campus bar, you know, back to life uh, with some of those renovation yep. projects and uh, some of the events they've been throwing, you know, since then and safe events too, you know, taking precautions and whatnot. So, uh, you know, just seeing how much that team has grown just in the course of three years. I remember some of our old meetings where we'd even talk about like, hey, guys, like, you know, Electric Forest, like what it is now has really only been, you know, in production for about 10 years. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. you know, and here yeah. y'all are, you know, it's about year three, four, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think some really, really big things for uh, what fest as far as a, uh, you know, a Midwest staple and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, United States staple as well as uh, this thing continues to grow, man. So congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. We will definitely be back. Uh, the new venue we used this year was uh, really, really <laughs> amazing to work with. Um, it was a lot of room, but a lot of work. So we expanded, uh, Fest was much bigger footprint. We had two stages, uh, a silent disco, uh, three art gallery spaces, um, tons of vendors, tons of food trucks, um, live painters, live muralists, live performers, you know, all these surprise and delights around every corner. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, man. That was, uh, you know, props to, uh, our man McKee. You know, just his yep, vision in yep. the beginning, too. To, uh, yeah, I mean, because his vision yeah. in the beginning was a really, you know, really prop up artists, too. And uh, so just seeing, you know, how artists were able to actually capitalize in some of the renovation and projects they're doing around the city. And that's what it was about in the beginning. And that's what's happening. So it's, uh, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. I mean, the amount of art that was sold during our event was amazing, too. Um, don't have the, the numbers on that yet, but we don't charge fees to any of our visual artists, and they're able to display their work in a gallery setting. And, um, you know, since everybody was hit so hard this past year, um, it's just giving them a platform to, to sell um, their, their bodies of work. And, yeah, it was great. Right. I can't wait till y'all get into the uh, NFT space. <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah you're right you here. Don't, <laughs> you don't have to acknowledge i that. know i told kyle he should I, I really feel like kyle could create some cool stuff um same with dylan i know you guys uh might be familiar with dylan beck he's another one of our uh artists and designers real talented dude absolutely so but how's yeah, the, man. Uh, how's the NFT horse racing going, Jeff? It's going well. Yeah, so seeing you do that, uh, <laughs> what's going on? Fill us there? in. Fill us in. What's your record right now? So right now, um, you know, and don't lie because we can look it up. Yeah, I want to say we're probably. <laughs> it's an interesting record, right? So you have to find out what your horse is good at. If it's good at thousand so meters, twelve hundred, sixteen hundred. So I've won okay. first place. I've got a first place in a twelve hundred a second place in a 1600 and a second place in like a 1200. And then, so you know, I've lost. Sounds like you're a 1200 kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so we're yeah, like, three. I want, I want to say we're three and four. So about, about, about 500, but uh, you know, we're learning, learning the ways still yeah, haven't yeah. had to spend any real money, all house money from uh, 
<laughs> you know, from earnings, earnings from winnings and uh, just the way we got the horse. I actually won it in a uh, like in a not a, like in a drawing, basically sitting here. Um, I'm like, gosh. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, that, I was wondering because normally you would have to buy the horse. Right. And normally and some of those horses pay to get into these races. Bro, we're yeah, sitting so... on the couch and JB goes, dude, I just want a horse. <laughs> I'm like what? I'm like, where are you gonna keep a horse? No, bro, uh, uh, an NFT racehorse, bro. I'm like, what the fuck is an NFT racehorse? Right. So it's a, uh, it's it's a one of twenty eight thousand. It's a uh, yeah. a Genesis Butterin uh, is the you know it's a Butterin bloodline, which is named after Villatoc Butterin, the uh, the the founder of Ethereum. So that like yeah. you know that little skinny alien. Uh, oh yeah. You know Russian Robot guy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude it's wild like this is actually kind of wild so um you know the founder you know of bitcoin uh satoshi nakamoto it's an anonymous person but a lot of people right. think it might be this guy paul finney and so paul finney is the uh paul finney was one of the first people satoshi sent him bitcoin and then paul finney got lou gehrig's disease and you know basically when he was about to die had himself uh, cryogenically frozen. So he's frozen right now. And yeah. Satoshi Nakamoto technically has 1 million Bitcoins, like, you know, offline that like have never been moved or touched or anything. And I'm just like, yeah. bro, what if this cat comes back? You know, he's frozen, <laughs> comes back. And then, you know, he's got a million oh, Bitcoins, oh. man. Oh my God. But it's just, that's another, that's, that's for another day. But Anyways, yeah. the horse is doing great. <laughs> it's uh, but yeah, normally you'd have to buy it on uh, OpenSea, which is um, it's a, a decentralized like basically eBay that's built on Ethereum, and then you would buy the horse, you know, in Ethereum. So horses can range from, you know, point one Ethereum or point five Ethereum, which would be around you know fifteen hundred bucks right now, to twenty five Ethereum's or fifteen hundred Ethereum's. So we're talking. Fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar horses wow. and whatnot. <laughs> and right and now, what actually, are you? What? What are you winning? You win Ethereum on these so, races. Um, well, then, so I actually win. Um, yeah, so it's it's Ethereum, but it's actually you win uh, Matic, which is a, uh, oh, okay, a layer yeah. two built on top of the Ethereum blockchain, which allows for you know faster transactions and uh, faster smart contracts. That's why people like it. Oh. Got it. But uh, wow. and back to the culture report, huh? And back to the culture <laughs> report. We are still sitting here with Ryan. Oh, Ransom, so yeah. uh, Ryan, what do you got? Uh, what do you got? Big plan coming up next. I know you got some Man, big jobs coming up. Yeah. Ne next stuff is uh, just a lot of work for the fall. Um, I've done a few cool projects with BSW and Express. Haven't been able to share any of that stuff yet, but you'll be seeing it soon. Um, and then I've got a new collection coming out for fall and I'll be doing my first like brick and mortar experience. So got some uh, more exciting news, hopefully in the future here at Easton. Um, so yeah, man, staying busy. Very dope, man. Love that. Love that. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, man, we can't thank you enough for coming on here and just sharing a little bit of this story. You know, I hope people find uh, a little bit of inspiration from it that, you know, to chase your dreams, to go after, to lean in on what feels good. And then that can really start from just, 
doing something nice for somebody or, you know, putting yourself out there for the benefit of others. So Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your business. (laughs) Thank you for your friendship. We're fucking OG. We love you, man. Love you guys too. Thank you for having me, man. Yes, sir. And as always, all right, folks. And here we are live. And as promised, we have the infamous Marcus Moles with us. And, uh, you know, you heard the intro, you know, this is, uh, this is an internet friend of mine who, uh, you know, long story short, you know, I met him, uh, through awesome Barnard, our, uh, our weatherman from, uh, Orca capital, but, uh, you know, me and Marcus connected on Twitter. Uh, he is a great follow. Um, he shares a lot of knowledge and education around Bitcoin, but, uh, without further ado, I'm going to let him introduce himself and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get after it with a couple questions. So, Marcus, welcome, and thanks for being here. Uh, it feels really good to be here, and it feels awesome to meet you and and chat about Bitcoin crypto. It's one of my favorite things to do every single day. It's why I get out of bed. It's it's super exciting. Um, before that, before Bitcoin, I was a hockey player. As uh, one of my coaches would say, it's it's in our blood, and and always will be. Uh, any any sport you take it that far with. So, played hockey from Lake Placid, New York, went to British Columbia, played a couple of years out there, moved to Boston, played junior hockey in Boston, then played uh, D3 college hockey in Rochester, New York at uh, Nazareth College. Had a great time with some buddies out there. Decided not to go play in Europe or any of the East Coast hockey leagues and the pro leagues and decided to figure out what else I'm good at, figure out what else I enjoy and, and, and get out of, uh, I guess the, the athletes, the athletes mindset, the athletes journey, everyone goes through. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, that's some of the stuff that, you know, we always talk about on the show as well, just that transition in life, you know, cause we know it can be hard, you know, Marcus and myself even, you know, talked a little bit about just going through that and, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the mental stability around it, you know, myself, you know, I dealed with, uh, some depression and whatnot, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, you know, let that be known. Just, it's great to uh, bring on, you know, former athletes on this show. And, uh, you know, so just hearing Marcus's story is, uh, you know, is really cool. So again, sorry to cut you off there, Marcus. No, it's good. It's good to talk about. I wrote about this in, in, uh, in one of my newsletters the other day, just like how it's hard for athletes to go, th- to go through, uh, to like work really hard f- for something new. Like you worked really hard to to be a pro athlete or a college hockey or anything, and they just like athletes don't want to go through that journey again of putting in the reps day in and day out, laying the brick and the foundation to to build something new. It's it's just hard mentally. Like you you lifted weights all summer, you you you've had hundreds of games and uh, practices and sprints and you know, battles and you just like, ah, like you're, you're, but you're young in your twenties or you're in your early thirties. You're like, ah, all right, I gotta, life's not over. I gotta go through this again. It's, it's really hard. Like to not be like, ah, I want to keep, want to keep sharing stories with the boys in the locker room and, you know, keep living that, living the dream as we would say. Right. So I was able to, to escape that. And honestly, I'm, I'm really happy. I did escape that uh, for a while that I wanted to keep playing and I missed playing. And now I'm at the point where, I'm happy doing something new that I, I enjoy doing. And it's a whole different passion. And I, I want to go through this hard thing again to build something new. And uh, after hockey, I just 
I guess I can kind of share a little bit about how I got into Bitcoin. It was just, uh, instead of jumping into a job right away, I, I did business and finance. I was going to, I don't know, work in somewhere where I was going to school. And, you know, I decided to look at the top 100 venture capitalist companies and the top 100 private equity companies. And I spent six months, five to six hours a day, looking at every single company that they're invested in, looking to their portfolio, looking where their headquarters are, their employees, what are, they, what are they doing? What's the roadmap? And I write it all down in an Excel spreadsheet. And I looked at probably hundreds of thousands of companies. And I kept seeing the word blockchain and Bitcoin and ETH and a bunch of other different stuff. And this, this, this story alone, Marcus and I got to talk about this a little bit. I find it incredible because, you know, this isn't something that you're always, you know, necessarily taught to do or how to really seek out, um, you know, your future in a way, especially when it comes to the job world. And, you know, this is public information. And I just, I love hearing it because it, you know, it even motivates me when you think about, you know, the time and the intention to, you know, compile that kind of data. And so he was telling me he did this about five hours a day for six months. You know, you're looking at 200, you know, total, you know, venture capitalists, private firms, different things like that. And, um, you know, I just thought that alone was remarkable. And I think, you know, just going forward, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, people that need some advice. I mean, this story alone is a great life hack, um, especially, you know, it's hard to find this time. But when you do have it, you need, you need to uh, capitalize on it and really, you know, value it when you get some time. So, again, sorry to cut you off again, but Marcus, continue. <laughs> no, I, I can't take full credit for this. Like my mentor and friend taught, like gave me this exercise, but and he framed it like this, like, this is one of Abraham Lincoln's quotes who I love. Like if, if you're going to try, you want to chop down a tree, would you just, so you do want to start swinging the ax and chop down the tree? Or do you want to spend, you know, six hours sharpening the ax first? Right. And this was like the exercise to spend sharpening the ax, figuring out where the, where the world's going to go. What, where, where, where's the, where's the money kind of flowing? Like, where's what's, what's happening. And, and, uh, that, that exercise ended up having uh, me buy start start buying Bitcoin. It helped me. And this you know, was get around a job. 2000, uh, 2017. 2017. All right. Yeah. So I I was buying Bitcoin at the pretty close to the top uh, from anywhere from ten to twenty thousand. I was buying it. Ended up getting a job working six. that the the whole time working for Eventbrite, I got just every part of my paycheck was going into Bitcoin. Uh, I was a finance ma major. Uh, so I knew all about, uh, you know, equities and stuff, but I, I, I wasn't, uh, I love like Warren Buffett and value investing, but mm -hmm. my mind did not work like that. I, my mind is like things in networks and I think in tech and I don't like, diversification mm -hmm. like it just it, i don't know maybe it's a ocd thing i just like i want to focus on something and right. i just like was putting everything i could into to crypto like when i was 14 i told my parents to invest everything they had into apple like if i if i if i could like li live this whole life right now i like i would invest in three companies yeah i would invest in apple and then i would have sold it bought tesla and i and i told i told like my parents <laughs> to start buying tesla a long time ago and then yeah. i would have sold everything and put everything to bitcoin <laughs> that that well, would call it a called it a life <laughs> well hey, i'm glad that i actually you know followed some uh 
some of the plays in your Bitcoin, you know, playbook that he has, you know, public information. It's on his website. It's on his Twitter. I'll have all this stuff linked in the show notes, but, um, you know, I'm glad that I have, uh, you know, absorbed a lot of your uh, knowledge and education because you do break it down very simply and, uh, you know, it's great. So I'm glad that, you know, I took that in and made my own decisions, obviously, you know, cause obviously yeah. we know none of this is financial advice, but you know, it's again, all this information is out there and there's different kinds of people, you know, some people are going to, you know, try and flash like a bunch of bullshit in your face or Lamborghinis or whatever, and tell you to click this link here and make this quick money here, or there's going to be people that, you know, really want to uh, almost get your foot in the door, but you know, it's a, it's almost like an organic thing where, you know, you slowly are going to start to learn more and more and get more and more interested as you come into this space. So, uh, you know, keep going with the story, Marcus, but you know, just wanted to, uh, wanted to drop that line in there. Yeah, that's, we, we can talk about what I'm kind of doing right with my current life, uh, as far as my newsletter and podcast and stuff go, but yeah, Bitcoin consumed me as soon as I bought it. I was one of the, the 86%, I think it was that Stanley Druckenmiller said he, he was surprised that people bought this thing at the top and held all, all the way to the bottom. <laughs> and that's, uh, I was a part of that group. And I bought Bitcoin. I started reading the Bitcoin standard. I, you know, that's how that journey starts. You, you just start, I just started learning everything I could every single day. And I was born in the bear market. I yep. just, you know, I started buying, I bought some altcoins at the top and Bitcoin and eventually just was pretty Bitcoin only the whole bear market kept buying Bitcoin was in, was working for my job. I ended up moving back home where I am now in Oregon and I was actually doing uh, government contracting and med- you were talking about your medical device sales. I was like helping medical device companies sell to the government, okay. all the VA hospitals and DOD and all this stuff. And at the same time, like we were trying to launch, help them, help launch a software company inside that, that company, the, the company I was working for. Uh, so I've been buying Bitcoin since 2017. And then we had that crash with covid and the equities drop gold drop 50 percent right bitcoin dropped 50 percent to three like close to 3k and i was like okay this is it's this town cowboy up where this is things going to zero so it's march 2020 everything's crashed and you're like all right it's time it's time to ranger up it's time to cowboy up and so what happened yeah so i i quit my job a couple weeks later and just went just neat, just all into Bitcoin, like everything, you know, I just started leveraging my resources that I like at, uh, leveraging the resources I had based on all the stuff, all the Bitcoin I've been buying before that. And I just pretty much leveraged long Bitcoin from 3K to 65K. Damn. And this uh, was, and this is also, this is after, you know, three years of every day, the ins and out, finding out as much as you can. And then that day came and you're like, let's fucking do this. Yeah. I was like, this thing's either going to go to zero and I'm full of shit or this thing's going to, you know, change the world. And I'm onto something pretty cool here. And obviously all, after all the research I've done and just, just the way I think the world's going to progress, I, I just thought it was a, a risk I was willing to take. And a lot of people aren't willing to take that risk. And I've talked about this in newsletters and yep. stories I've written, like, I feel like life is a lot of life is suffering, but obviously if you can frame it in a way, like 
like try to be happy, but there's some parts of life that are going to be really sufferable. And there's parts of my life that were sufferable. And I, I, I lost my dad to, to cancer when I was 21. And as hard as that was for me to to go through, it was like, okay, it it like reprices risk for you. As I I talk about this, one of my longer medium articles, it it reprices risk. Mm -hmm. And to me, just like a lot of people are, are scared to invest in Bitcoin or crypto and when you when you 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 go through some sufferable things in your life, you're like this this doesn't seem that risky anymore. Right. You know, I also had like my grandpa like fought in World War Two. It's like you think about those guys and you're like, right. like this is an this is a no brainer. So like it was just yes, it was a little, it was scary what I was doing at that time, like quitting my job and deciding to go all into Bitcoin and, and stuff. But also, you know, I you know memento more. You know, remember your death. Like this is you got one shot at this thing. So. Absolutely. No, and it's, yep. uh, thanks for sharing that, man. I mean, I know how hard, uh, you know, just losing a, a loved one that's really close to you is. So, uh, thanks for sharing all that, that story, you know, it's an amazing story too. Um, you know, just risking it like that, or, you know, just going for it. Cause you know, part of it was very, uh, calculated. It was very educated and you were, uh, you know, putting your money where your mouth is. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, to that being said, you know, I think I started, you know, following you probably uh, January of uh, 2021 or maybe a uh, December 2020. Cause you know, I was, uh, I was at a bachelor party with Austin and that was like, you know, maybe August of 2020 or uh, maybe in June of 2020, something like that. I think it was, maybe it was June, but, um, and that was really when it started taking off again, it was, uh, you know, it was in the twenties, maybe into the thirties and, yeah, that's when I was really uh, not necessarily going all in, but really just, you know, saying, all right, it's time to, you know, get more serious about it. Cause I actually first found out about it, like at a music festival, probably 2014, um, just because of that whole everything with the Silk Road and whatnot and how it was used, mm-hmm. um, you know, online back then. And uh, which is really interesting. I mean, just finding out, uh, you know, I encourage people to uh, research that, find out the story of, Dread Pirate Roberts and, uh, you know, and how that was all developed and created and, uh, you know, make your own, get your own opinions, uh, come to your own conclusions, what have you. But uh, that's how I found out about it. And it made sense to me. And I would still like do some research about it, knew about the Winklevoss twins, was watching that happen. And then Austin started getting involved with it. And I was like, man, I should. And I would talk to my family about it and people would just act like I was crazy. So then it would like talk myself out of it. You know what I mean? Cause I was like, man, I'm probably, I shouldn't do this, you know, not really being risky. And I was still playing football at the time and then in and out of football and then started getting into sales, you know, having, you know, building more of a life for myself. And um, yeah. And then eventually, you know, I just decided to uh, pull the trigger, get more serious about it. And uh, you know, here we are. Right. So um, you know, that being said, man, I just wanted to uh, ask you a few things um around you know bitcoin and crypto with what's going on uh in the space you know there's always a lot to unpack it seems like especially the more you get into the weeds um weekly but uh you know currently i think we're cruising around 44 45,000 uh feet with uh, bitcoin uh 44 45,000 feet means you know k but um you know lots of things are going on with the new infrastructure bill and uh i wanted to uh you know, hear your opinion about it and your take about it. And really just to explain, you know, to the average person that like, 
they might be buying Bitcoin on their Voyager app or, you know, on their Coinbase, and they might not know exactly why this is important or how it may affect innovation within the space in the United States. And, uh, you know, overall, like why that may be a good or bad thing. And uh, just to unpack it a little bit for us. Yeah, um, you can get in the weeds a lot if you're on Twitter all the time. And, and it's hard sometimes to come to your own conclusions. But the infrastructure bill, everyone is, who didn't know a lot about politics is getting a crash course on how things work in our country. And the one good thing that the U.S. is, is good at is, you know, we get, get in, you, you can sue anyone you want. And uh, our litigation process is, is uh, extreme and, and, uh, and prevalent. As, but as far as the other side, like innovation and technology, you know, we got a lot of older people in, in the Senate and the House and government. So it's, right. you know, they don't quite understand everything. But, you know, we do have a good you know, lit, litigation process where we can fight back on stuff that we don't like or don't agree with and amend stuff. Right. So we've been printing a bunch of money, trillions and trillions, trillion for you, trillion for me, trillion for everybody. And they want to do another 1.2 or 3 trillion on this infrastructure deal. And they're calling it infrastructure. Um, we can you debate if it's like actual infrastructure or not, right. but they wanted to sneak in a crypto crypto amendment into the deal. And the reason they did that was in order to pass something like this with such a big ticket item, you need to express to the American public or whoever you're lobbying with, I, I guess, to how you can pay for all this stuff. And they came up with an arbitrary number that this crypto bill could collect $28 billion in tax revenue, uh, which doesn't really make uh, any any sense i mean where did, how do they come to that number uh so uh, the community started kind of fighting back they, they wanted to sneak it in last second and they, they you know they they wanted to pass this bill through the senate we had we have bitcoiners in the senate which is nice like cynthia loomis uh i believe that's her bipartisan name. bitcoiners too so we got democrats yeah. and republicans you know yep. one one thing that you know, people can agree on, which I think is also, you know, something to be said about it as well. Yeah. So they were doing a lot of great work behind the scenes. Uh, I donated to coin center, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're, they're, they're fighting that battle for like blockchain initiatives uh, in the government and stuff. So they, we thought we we're going to have an amendment to the thing and essentially for whoever's thinking about like, why would we even care? Like, you know, taxes, whatever people should pay the taxes, right? If you're going to sell your, sell your Bitcoin on Coinbase, you're going to have to pay taxes on a capital gain or if you, you know, capital, if it's a loss and whatever, right. Uh, you got to report all that stuff. So that's not like a big deal for a regular user, but this is, they're trying to say that, uh, miners, node validators, software developers are like brokers. Right. They're trying to. So if you're thinking about it as a normal person, like if I went onto a website, like that website should be able to collect everything about me, like my social security address, date of birth, my full name, everything about me. What, so <laughs> going onto a website and that happening just to visit the website is just right. It just it shows that they don't really understand what they're trying to add to this. Right, because you're comparing bill. if if the website was a Bitcoin developer, is that what you're saying? Based on what what I've been like reading about and what uh, Jesse Powell had a good segment on, I think it was CNBC or something, right? About this, but he was just like, 
in layman's terms, you're just saying like, if, if I was a, someone going onto a website, they'd have to, they would be collecting all of my information in order for me just to visit the website. And then another example was say we went to a bar together and I tipped a bartender that, that, that I would have to collect a 1099 form from that bartender and learn everything about that bartender in that transaction. Wow. So they're, they're kind of asking like node operators, like say I open a channel yep. with someone in a, with a lightning node, I would have to, I would have to know everything about that other person, social right. security, date of birth, right, right. where their address is located. And same thing with, with like mine, with miners as well. Right. And I think anything with a software developer, if you're like either you're working together, you're, you know, bringing something to market. I, I, right. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not an expert on yeah. like this, le- the legal stuff. So that it would, it would push people push. So if you, if you are buying Bitcoin on Coinbase, the why you should care about it is because all the infrastructure behind the scenes, like the hash rate, that secure, right. that, that's the security of the whole network. That's the heartbeat of the whole network. All the software developers are, you know, working on the code, monitoring the code of Bitcoin, making sure it's uh, keeping its uptime going. Right. All the node operators are, you know, making sure the miners are honest, making sure there's f- full consensus in the, in the in the protocol making sure everything's decentralized make, making sure there's no central point of control making sure there's no 51 percent attack that can happen to bitcoin so pretty much you know that those those, those are your bodyguards to your your bank branch so if you had cash in the bank you know those are your those are your bodyguards protect protecting that cash in your bank and right. obviously that's a we're not keeping too much cash in the bank anymore because right it's crypto world now and and this is this is what we're betting on yeah and i uh you know, just unpacking some of that, because I know a quote that came from, uh, you know, from Mark Cuban, which I thought explained some of it, too. And he, he compared it to shutting off the growth engine would be the equivalent of stopping e-commerce in 1995 because people were afraid of credit card fraud or regulating the creation of websites because some people initially thought they were complicated and didn't understand what they would ever amount to. And it's like, I think what you're saying too, is like, we have an older uh, Congress, you know, our government works in a way that we can amend these things, get these things changed. But, you know, last minute bill, they want to get something paid for, they know crypto and uh, Bitcoin's hot right now. So they sneak in an amendment to tax people that are essentially behind the scenes of crypto, Bitcoin and blockchain to where they can dig in and make them have to report an unbelievable amount of uh, information that would be equivalent to like the information that is collected when you sign up for like e-trade or, yeah, like that's or where the brokers, like a yeah. broker. And so when you just really think about innovation in this space, you know, businesses and a new economy that can grow, uh, grow out of this, create jobs and wealth and opportunity inside the United States, you know, things like this can halt that growth or halt that innovation because now there's a lot more regulation. There's a lot more shit going on that really shouldn't be there because this, this thing was kind of snuck into this bill just to pay for something else when they don't even really understand, you know, the full capabilities of what, you know, Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto, you know, can do in a multitude of industries. So, um, you know, again, I'm really, uh, I'm really glad you shared some of that with us, Marcus. <clears throat> and that was kind of my take on it. And uh, oh, I think it's know, a good thing, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you liked one of my tweets about it, but I mean, China literally banned right. Bitcoin mining. Like it was serious this time. Right. <laughs> the price dropped 50%. Right. 
which is painful. Yeah. And in other bull markets, you look back, you know, it's just like maybe 30% and it continues. Right. We had a full shift. Bitcoin miners had to stop the machines, try to figure out shipping, try to figure out where they're going to move, whether it's the US, Kazakhstan, somewhere else geographically, move everything over, plug them back in. Some of them maybe did, did get plugged back in. The hash rate came back online. The price went back up, rallied to, you know, where we are at today. Right. And that's with nobody backstopping it at all. There's no Fed Fed stepping in, you know, printing a bunch of money to, to save it. There's no one getting bailed out. Right. Like Bitcoin is just doing its thing on its own, anti-fragility after anti-fragility test. Right. And now after all of that, like the year of stress tests, as someone, someone said on Twitter, like year of stress tests for crypto and Bitcoin. Now we have this bill and it seems really bad. Like they're going to stifle innovation, yada, yada, yada. It passed the Senate without an amendment. And now we're fighting in the House where now 400 people have to vote on the bill instead of 100 right. to, to create an amendment that makes sense for, for everything. But we held up the tax bill. We held up the infrastructure bill. The small huge. population of crypto enthusiasts held up this bill in Congress. We have right. the eyes of the world on us. And guess what? We got some deep pockets. Right. <laughs> you know, like this thing, th- these projects, Bitcoin, th- th- we, we, were, we were at 3K last year. <laughs> right. So th- this to me is like, all right, wake up call. China was a wake up call. Hash rate moved back to the U.S., yeah. Now we've got people on Twitter, people that are you know running these big infrastructure companies, whether it be a data analytics or an exchange. You know, we've got some badass people in this space, and now they're gonna they're gonna put their they're gonna put their money where their their mouths is, and and you know, we get some Bitcoin will become like a I think will become like the most powerful lobbyist organization out there. I mean, the, I don't want to I don't really care about politics because you know voting. Right to me is like voting for this new system of Bitcoin, but you know, this is making us care about it a little bit and right. it turns into a really bad thing. And just like Bitcoin produces block after block, the heartbeat goes on every 10 minutes. And this to me is going to be, a, uh, uh, will turn out to be hopefully a net benefit of, uh, of everything that's happening because we're just going to grow stronger because of it and get some more boots in the ground in, in Congress and in, in the Senate and edu- educating these, people that make these big decisions for us and get them up to speed of what's happening. So I think it'll be a good thing. And even if it's not a good thing, even if shit still hits the fan, right. like this thing doesn't get enacted till 2023. Right. So there's still time to even push back, push back further. Absolutely. Yeah. I got a little fired up there, but uh, no, I agree with you, man. It's uh, more than anything. It's great. Cause you know, now it's a part of uh part of Congress too. So it's never going to lead, you know, it's been on in the financial, you know, side of it, but now it's starting to really enter the the debate and, you know, draw down party lines and it can be something that brings both parties together. And that's also going to, I think, help adoption because now more people are going to start to look into it more, find out about it more. And uh, end of the day, that's, you know, that's what I want. You know, I just want more people to educate themselves and get involved because I see it as a, uh, you know, a great tool um, beyond just, you know, building wealth, but, you know, also different security measures. And then also giving uh, people that really never would have had the opportunity otherwise to, you know, own real hard assets and uh, be able to, you know, even 
transact those and send those um, to different countries because, you know, maybe they are, uh, you know, an immigrant working in the United States and they want to send money back, you know, to their country. They don't have to go through, you know, a third party or fourth party or, you know, get, get, you know, get hit with 10%, 20%, everybody taking their cut just of some, uh, some hardworking dollars to, uh, you know, help out their family. So there's lots of things like that. And there's also, you know, things to be said too. Um, you know, I love cash app. I love what they're doing for uh, financial education as a whole and giving that opportunity to, you know, people that you know, probably wouldn't have had it otherwise or known about it just as far as, uh, you know, some of the urban cultures and communities and whatnot, you know, where uh, cash app even originally kind of formulated and started and, who was using it first and how it started to spread even, uh, you know, just within, um, within, uh, you know, the culture itself and, um, you know, the, uh, rap community and things like that. So, you know, I love all of it. Um, I think, you know, we're still really early, you know, as you'll hear a lot in the, uh, crypto space in the, uh, Bitcoin Twitter. But, uh, so that was something, uh, that led to my next question. And, you know, Austin and I have talked about it a little bit and that was, uh, you know, what is a Bitcoin maxi? or a Bitcoin maximalism. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to talk to that uh, a little bit with you about that, because Austin even brought it up to ask you about it. But, um, you know, so Bitcoin maximalism, a lot of people, it's like Bitcoin or die, Bitcoin or nothing. Now, I know you did just, uh, you know, just made your first Ethereum buy, about 2% of your portfolio is what, we rep- what I saw you reported. But uh, we'd just like to hear your take on it, because you know, sometimes in the uh, Twitter space or the crypto space, you know, if you say even the word crypto, some Bitcoin maxis will attack you. Or if you say anything bad about it or maybe question it, it's interesting, you know, what can, uh, you know, how these battle lines can get drawn. But I uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, hear your interpretation because, you know, I think you're one of the, uh, you know, one of the good guys when it comes to it. Yeah, it's, a, it's always a topic on Twitter and even me saying crypto, I get like, get yeah, right. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's hard to even, it, it would, it's, I had to take a step back, honestly, and like think about the whole space a little bit. Um, cause being on Twitter every day, you know, it, it does fuck with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and almost like the extremist thinking of like, it's this or that, right. It's a lot of like, it's left or right. And it's helpful just like to take a step back and just like look at things with people like to call it an open mind, but like I was born in the bear market. Like if you're not born, like it's really easy to become a Bitcoin maximalist in the bear market. Right. Uh, so the way I, I've owned ETH before, I've owned these other coins before mm-hmm. as like maybe a swing trade, but for a while there, I was like Bitcoin only. And I think when you're, when you're Bitcoin only, and it's a bull market. Bull markets are war, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> war. Like this is this is and Bitcoin's so important to the world, in my opinion. And a lot of these like Bitcoin only people, it's so so important. Right. Like it. I like I wrote something down here. Like like with without like without Ethereum, there's Bitcoin, and like right. without without Bitcoin there's fucking nothing right this is this is our only shot to get it right right so i think from a bitcoin maximalist i i feel like i am Mm -hmm. in a sense like this is so important like this is everyone kind of thinks about it as like one direction where like if you think about it as a trader it's just a risk curve right 
So like my hockey coach would say, Molsey, back the house, like protect the house, go back to the goaltender, protect the goaltender. And that's Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin's our goalie blocking shots, sacrificing yeah. our bodies, you know, hitting some guy in the corner as hard as you fucking can. Cause you're not, don't touch my puck right. <laughs> kind of thing. And it's just a, to me, it's just like, now I'm looking at, it's just a risk curve, like Bitcoin, Bitcoin's the core. And maybe you, maybe you do want to go outside the house a little bit and, and gamble a little bit more. Right. So that's, it's, that's, you know, traders look at it. Like if you're not pricing an altcoin in Bitcoin, like Bitcoin's the reserve asset for the whole space. Right. So if you're not outpacing Bitcoin, then, then it's, it's tough to even think about being in that position. If you're thinking in us dollar terms then Oh yeah, you're you're getting rich in U.S. dollars terms. Uh, American Holdable has a great analogy of this: like uh, shit coins or altcoins exist because fiat is so sh- it's just shit, it's dog shit. Right. You know, it's easy to say that you know when things are going up. Obviously, you know you want to have stuff to pay your bills and buy the dip. Yeah. Right. But right. but I mean, there is there is there is cool projects out there, uh, but. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard for me to like, to even own these assets just because I know it's almost like I know how important Bitcoin is and right. it's owning them is just, to me, is just a trade to, to either get more Bitcoin or more right. US dollars. Uh, and, and one also having skin in the game to learn about it a little bit more, I think just right. owning a little bit of ETH or a little bit of Solana or something like you're going to want to learn about a little bit more about it. And and you know, at the end of the day, like there's humans developing and coding this stuff up, and, and it's just cool to like you know, you know, download a MetaMask wallet, look at right. NFTs, like just like try a bunch of stuff because I think being a Bitcoin maximalist, a lot of these guys are OGs and they put so much time time and effort to writing articles and trying to get people to know how to just understand Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of shit that happened in the past, and, it, and it's cling. It, you can tell it. it it clings to their their body and their spirit. Yeah, like all the ICOs and Mount Gox and yeah, it, it, it's the and there's just so much change happening in crypto. And there's that, maybe there is a cool project they want to dive into, but it's just you know it's Bitcoin has just survived the test of time. And and you think about like the test of time. Like think about long term play here. Right. Like we have China going after Bitcoin. We have regulators going after Bitcoin. Like your DeFi token isn't going to survive these anti-fragility tests. And yeah. that's why I just think of like, as a, it's like a, it's a risk curve thing. And if, if, if things kind of hit the fan and, you know, uh, the, the U S the bond yields, you know, drop 50% or something happens to sovereign debt and credit, you know, credit yield, credit, credit uh, yields are really close right now, which coincides with a lot of different, you know, depressionary cycles. Yeah, like thing hits things hit the fan like back to the house back to bitcoin like that's how it right. works so it's easy to to make fun of bitcoin maximus in a bull run yeah you know like things solana will go up 15 percent, bitcoin will go up five percent it's like oh yeah haha i got I, you know that's my coins going up faster and bitcoin, like i said bull runs are war but you know at the end of the day like my bitcoins locked up in cold storage yep with key with with my with my hardware wallets geographically distributed and it's going to take me a while to, to you know a couple of days or hours to get that bitcoin out of cold storage yep and and as opposed to someone that stores some of their wealth in a browser extension 
You know, right. It's not the same. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like you're a bad person because you own an ETH or a DeFi project or right. you, you keep some of your coins on an exchange to earn interest. Right. It's just Bitcoiners, Bitcoin, Bitcoiners just keep everybody honest. Yep. I feel like I ranted a little bit there, but no, and I'm I'm glad you know. did because it uh I think it really uh you know opens the door a little bit because in the beginning of this, you know, it was a very, you know, it was a small um, you know, a small group that uh you know they weren't getting paid or anything. I mean, they were, you know, building this, pushing it forward, pushing adoption forward. And, you know, doing it, um, you know, for the greater good, not necessarily just to make a bunch of money. And, you know, it's turned into something different or not necessarily different, but you know, it's turned into something extremely great, you know, and profitable and whatnot. But I think it's cool to hear, you know, that OG perspective that like you even bring up. And, um, you know, with what you're saying, too, I think it's, uh, you know, cool to talk about, you know, cold storage. And uh, Austin and I discussed that a little bit about you know, um, cold storage, you know, being offline, you know, really tucked, tucked away far into the, uh, you know, locked up. And then you said too, like you just, do you have your keys and how, how does that, uh, how do you have your keys moved around? Uh, I mean, you can do your, your own multi-sig setup, but, yeah, okay. or there's other hosted companies like Casa or Unchain that will do it. So like, uh, do you have a, do you have multi-sig setup at anything? No, well, so I, uh, I'm, I know, um, a little bit about it. So that's one thing that I haven't gotten like super in, into yet. Cause, um, you know, I know I, uh, I actually rolled a, a 401k over to uh, choice kingdom trust. They do, um, Bitcoin, uh, IRAs. And we're actually going to have yeah. someone from choice come on the show, um, yeah. you know, in a couple of weeks, but, um, on there, I know they offer cold storage and, uh, that's something I still need to do more research into. Um, but I was also, I wanted, you know, I've, I've been talking to my girlfriend about it, even just putting it into a, a hard wallet, even just like, you know, almost like a nest egg that like, if something really bad happens, you grab that hard wallet and that's really all you need. You know, you can figure out everything else, wherever you go, you know, if you need to sell some of it to actually get some fiat to buy, you know, whatever, but depending on where you're going to go to, too, if it is an emergency, what have you, um, you know, I just think, uh, you know, something like that offers another great layer of security because it's still like a physical, um, you know, a physical thing in your hand, too. But uh, yeah, but yeah, so yeah. it's really cool to hear uh, hear about that. Yeah, I mean, for like people that sometimes like, people will make fun of Bitcoin maximalists or like, if I had some friends like they just like they don't like Bitcoin maximalists either. And they're just like over there buying like Cardano or some other coin, which is fine. Like that person wants to make money. That person wants to support for the family. But if you don't run a full node and if you don't have a, you know, maybe you don't have a miner, you don't have a multi-stick setup. Like this is, this is the foundation of this whole network. And this is, these Bitcoiners are like, there's, there are shitty, maybe shitty Bitcoiners out there that are really mean and nasty on Twitter. And, you know, you know, oh my God, it's someone like, just like, like, I saw some the other day, like cyberbullying, like, why don't you just close your eyes, turn your phone off. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, right. but like, there are really good Bitcoiners out there and, and that sometimes we, things just get mixed and get ugly. Yeah. And, 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 it get, and it, I, so I understand where people come from now. We're in the bull, like a couple months ago, I think I would be a little more aggressive on here about yeah, it. Right? Like, <laughs> like I said, like bull markets are war and like, yeah. you know, I was born in the bear market and, and a lot of that stuff went to drop 90% and that that it was hard to 
it's hard to tell people to buy anything else because it's Bitcoin yeah. goes up 200% a year on average the last decade. It's just, it's as far as a risk return perspective. Yep. It, it's going to up 200% a, a year on average. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And to like go on the risk curve and gamble on stuff. It's hard for me to tell people that, but everyone has to go through their own journey right. of, of, of that. And for, for a Bitcoiner to like yell and scream and tell, and to tell people not to go through that journey it's it's just counterintuitive it just doesn't work right it just doesn't work so you got to have like a you got to figure out multi-sig which simply put is you have the you have your keys on an exchange or you have if you want to pull them off an exchange the exchange has a public and a private key in that wallet so if you have a if you buy it in coinbase they have a public and private key for that the way i like to say it is your your mailbox is your public key. Everyone can have access to it. Anyone can send anything to it. You can send in and out of it. And then your house and your the lock on your house is your private key. You don't want anyone to come into your house, right. steal, steal your crap. So that's the big thing. You want to pull your Bitcoin off of an exchange and into your own, own wallet where you control the private and the public keys private keys now are you know as far as the user interface goes like they're broken down into mnemonic words of a 12 word phrase or a 24 word phrase that's how when you hear someone say you know i can memorize 24 words and go anywhere because then you can just you don't even need the hardware wallet right you just need to because you just need to back up the so you could you get it get a new hardware wallet and input those those words in and that's like because that's your rights to that bitcoin you're not, you're not actually like holding Bitcoin. It's like your rights are on that, yeah. on the blockchain. Right. So you, you pull it off to either a mobile wallet is like your next step. That's a, called a hot wallet. Yeah. So that's on your phone. It's like a blockstream green or a blue wallet or yep. a, a moon wallet. And then if you want to go even further, you get a hardware wallet like you were talking about. And, and then that's just one, that, that's one single point of failure. So if you lose a hardware wallet, you forget the, pri- the, the private keys of the words. Yep. And that's lost forever. People lose coins and that's part of the deal. Like this is a sovereign, you're a sovereign individual. You control your destiny. No one's, no one's helping you out. No government's helping you out. No government's sending you stimulus checks. Right. Like you put in the work, you figure out the time you use the t- your time and energy to figure this thing out. Yeah. So the owner to, you know, to protect yourself from your own stupidity or, or mistakenness, you get a multi-sig setup. And that's like the next layer of learning. So you can either use Casa or Unchained. Those are the hosted uh, companies that help you do it. Yeah. So you're creating a wallet. So this is how I explain Like, say you go into the grocery store and you buy some apples. You swipe your credit card to buy those apples and that that signs for it. That signs that transaction. So that's just like you, you sign your name away. That, that signs it good. Multi-sig is like, say you had to sign three different times Right. With three different signatures for to buy those apples. Right. So multi-sig is like Bitcoin goes in the in the multi-sig wallet. And then you can have like what uh there's different setups. Like you can have your phone signs, the hardware wallet signs, and then the company signs. Or you can have like what I have with Casa is I have to I have to sign with my phone and two hardware wallets. Okay. But, but I also, it's also like a three of five setup. So if anything would, ha- would happen, like I have the company to help me out. I have the phone to sign it and I have three other hardware wallets. 
backed up to right. that wallet to, to, to sign. So like if someone even got a hold of one hardware wallet, right. it doesn't matter. They can't, they can't get the Bitcoin out, out of it. They would need to have control of, they need to get into my phone, right. sign on my phone, and then be able to, one, they got to find all the hardware wallets because I don't keep, you, you don't want to have them all in one spot. Right. So there's just, that's the one thing that scares a lot of people about Bitcoin, so, crypto. There's so much stuff. Right. Gotta learn. When it's a, I mean, I'm glad you shared that because part of this, you know, podcast is education and that's really next level of, you know, some Bitcoin uh, security. And, uh, you know, so this is something that we can definitely follow up on. Um, when I have Austin on here as well, uh, things we can share uh, in the show notes, things that you know we'll share over time as well. This won't be the first time we uh, talk about security and uh, storage at all. So um, thanks for sharing that. I mean, it's one of those things I think is really important because as this thing continues to grow and people put a lot of their wealth in it, I think a lot of people are very used to um, you know, how things like even Voyager works. It's like Voyager is just like a new bank, right? Like you're used to being able to call someone and be like, where did it go? Why is this happening? Blah, blah, blah. Or like how you can call a bank and you just have that, that crutch. And, uh, you know, part of this new, this system of, you know, true real sovereign freedom, uh, with your wealth and hard assets, you know, is, uh, you know, there's a lot of responsibility with that too. And with that, you know, it comes a lot of education. So it's another reason why, I'm really thankful for people like Marcus and I'm really thankful he came on the show. Uh, would love to have him back on uh, later on um, down the road uh, just as a contributor to the weather report. Cause you know, I really believe in his mission and uh, you know, how he approaches all of this, how he treats people and uh, you know, the message that he is uh, passing on. So again, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, really thankful for this uh, internet friendship. Uh, you know, would really love to meet you in person one day, but yeah, definitely dude. Yeah. So um, again, thanks fan. And uh, until next time, my friend. Yeah. I Bitcoin's going to 200 K in the next six to nine months. That's my thesis. So, Hey, you heard it here. That is Marcus's, I gotta end it on that. That's Marcus's uh, first stash it for us. And uh, he put his money where his mouth is. We'll have all his links to the show notes. He actually, um, you know, did it live. Like he put, his money where his mouth is as far as making that uh making that it was a call right uh i i mean i just like i own some call options on eth and bitcoin and then yeah you know, majority of my bitcoin exposure is spot and uh yeah so, so but yes yeah, so you can check out uh we'll have all that stuff his youtube his website uh really recommend it he's got a great playbook so again thanks so much marcus yeah thanks for having me on yes sir and we're back for week four of the traffic report here on the Stash It or Pass It podcast. Sitting here with my man, Dr. B, a.k.a. Reed Brimmer. And uh, he's going to give us some updates on a few things he's been following in, uh, in terms of legislation around the uh, cannabis industry. And we're going to uh, chop it up, talk about a few stories that are going on. And uh, he's going to uh, fill us in on a few things uh, in regards to the uh, financial markets uh, with some earning reports. So, Reed, take it away, my friend. Cool. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about a, in an a episode or two ago about the uh, Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act. Um, so now we're nearing the end of the commenting period. Got a couple weeks left. Um, if you do want to just send, send your opinion on it into normal, you can. We'll have a link in the show notes. Um, and they're, they're submitting 
um, their own proposals for what they'd like to see as far as the legislation goes um, on the, the, the second draft of the bill. Um, so yeah, we'll have that in the show notes. Um, but yeah, not a lot of news as far as that goes. Uh, they'll, they'll hash through the comments and then, you know, revise the first draft and put out a second one. And that, that, that'll be the point where we'll have, have some updates on that one. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really cool to see, you know, we've had this in the show notes since Reed, uh, you know, first filled us in on it. And that's the, uh, you know, like he was saying, the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. So we'll have a link to that directly. You can see the PDF, read through it. And, um, you know, we'll also have, you can reach out directly um, to cannabisreform at finance.senate.gov um, until September 1st, 2021. And, you know, that's also what um, what Reed was talking about. Normal, who is a, um, a lobbyist uh, group f- that is, uh, you know, in favor of cannabis legalization and normalization. And, um, you know, so they are, you know, also leading that charge too. We, uh, you know, we repost a lot of their stuff on Instagram and whatnot. You know, for example, um, you know, this week, Reed and I were uh, talking about, you know, normal put out there that the city of New Orleans, you know, this is a big win, you know, what we were talking about for the Deep South, the city of New Orleans decriminalizes marijuana possession and vacates over 10,000 convictions. Now, I mean, just hearing that, you know, we talk about it a lot, free the people, you know, there's, uh, there's lots of people, there's lots of wrongs that really need to be uh, rewrote and uh, fixed. Lots of people sitting in jail. So seeing these 10,000 convictions uh, vacated, I mean, I think that's a big win overall for the uh, industry and just for normalization and, uh, you know, cleaning some of this shit up. So I'm happy to see that. But uh, yeah. Yeah. uh, No, I was just saying preach, man. Definitely a big win considering it's in the deep South and, you know, it's historically been prejudiced down there and how the, uh, laws were enforced so cool to see and hopefully more big cities in the south follow suit absolutely yeah i saw another one that was pretty interesting and uh, this came out of michigan where it was actually a uh, a parolee so somebody that was on parole and Mm -hmm. he was prescribed cannabis like through a doctor and was smoking it and then failed you know his uh his drug test while on parole and then was sent back to jail and he ended up, you know, appealing that. And it looks like, you know, he spent about three years in jail through this process, but is now, you know, been freed from jail. So I don't have like all the details and whatnot. But again, another, uh, you know, I would say another great story just in terms of, you know, overall adoption, even on a, uh, you know, in court, because that's where it can really matter. Because, you know, yeah, once I mean, it, it, as medicine, you know, you can't, be good testing people for that if it's legal in your state it's right can be prescribed as a medicine then obviously you know you can't persecute people for for that if they're on parole or whatever absolutely so so cool and then uh so next up uh reads in to uh share with us we had some uh some pretty exciting earning reports that came out about uh some of the big four that uh you know we've talked about in some earlier episodes you know some of the companies that were stashing those being you know, Green Thumb, True Leave, uh, a couple just to name, but, uh, you know, Reed, I'll let you uh, dive into that. Yeah, man, it's a kind of an exciting week, I guess. I don't know if you're invested in the space. Uh, over the next week or two, you got a lot of, a lot of earnings reports coming out for uh, American pot stocks. Um, and so far, we went over the big four, which are the four uh, largest American companies. Um, they're all mul- operating in multiple states. Um, 
And a cut two of those uh, had their earnings reports come out this week. Uh, Green Thumb came out Wednesday after market close. True Leave was Thursday morning pre-market. Um, and they both beat uh, expectations on earnings per share and revenue and you know, not by a ton, but you know, pretty by, by decent margins. So it's a pretty nice showing. Um, despite that, True Leave still dipped down a little bit um, today in trading. Uh, and then Green Thumb, uh, I think it had like a 4% bounce today, um, which is a nice day. They're both trading a little over $30. Um, so yeah, Truly's kind of down a decent amount. I think they're down about, I want to say, they're down from 50 or so dollars when they're in all-time highs earlier this spring. Right. Was around the same all-time high and they're, they're trading around 32, 33 right now. Um, so yeah, they're, but I, I think things got a little carried away. Things got a little, you know, the, the, Pot socks got a little, right, a little too hot, and they'll cool off, and then they'll go on another run at some point. Um, a lot of times, they they kind of seem to do better in the fall. Um, so yeah, but both of those companies had pretty solid earnings, pretty solid numbers. Um, and yeah, I think truly was around thirty cents per share, um, and uh, Green Thumb was around ten cents per share last year um, since COVID had hit and. You know things were shut down so they didn't do too hot um and then there's another company that i follow it's called a uh, grow generation um and they're just they're they're one of the largest uh suppliers in america of, of you know growing equipment and stuff like that they've got like 60 or so stores around the country and they outfit grow grow spaces for for uh companies throughout the u.s um and they're they didn't really put out that bad of their earnings reports report came out and they, the earnings weren't that bad. Numbers weren't that bad. Um, but they, despite that, they still tanked today down 17%, um, just over the course of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do think I chalked that up to a little bit of it being, you know, I think people got a little, a little out in front of themselves. They thought federal legalization might be coming this year. Um, so these stocks got a little overvalued and they're just coming back down to earth still. Um, yeah, it's trading. It's I think they're at all time. It's all time highs in the low 60s. It's trading at about 35 right now. Um, so I'm definitely going to buy a little bit right. more. Um, I actually have all of those stocks that I just mentioned. I'm going to buy a little bit more, um, save some money in case it dips even further. Um, buy a little more then, but seems seems to me like a decent time to be buying. Um, you know, and I, I I add a little bit no matter what every month. So. So that's another one that uh, you know we're gonna go ahead and stash. So what's the symbol on uh, on Grogen? Um, G R W G. G R. Yeah, I'm, I got it. Yeah, G R W G. G R W G. Sweet. Yeah, so we that will. One, that's one of the ones you can buy on Robinhood since it's not an actual cannabis company. It's just an American equipment company, and that is traded on the markets here in America. So. That's great. Yeah, that's really cool, actually, um, just to actually be able to change it up a little bit. And that's uh, another thing that I think is cool to uh, monitor and to think about when you you know, see new industries that are starting to, uh, you know, to grow, like something like the cannabis industry. And then you also need to look at outside of that things that are going to support that industry. And so that's, um, yeah. you know, which I think is great, um, like a company like that, that you follow, you support, because in all new things, there's always going to be you know, almost like a new little economy that spurts out of it, especially when it's something super yeah. new, you know, like an industry like this. So they all just support it and hold up, help the op, the, uh, 
the industry move, you know, be efficient. And so, right. yeah, there's that. And then there's another one that uh, it's IIPR is a ticker. It's Innovative Industrial Property Solution Bank. Um, but that's that's a company that's got a market cap of, you know, a couple billion now. But uh, they specialize in real estate for, uh, you know, dispo dispensaries, uh, grow, grow locations, yeah. uh, and all that stuff. And, you know, that one's, that's one I don't really own much of. Um, I don't know if I will, because I do feel like once it goes federally, federally illegal, you know, does there need to be, they'll probably get bought up by another company. Does there need to be, you know, it's a company that just helps people find spaces right. to grow cannabis when it's easy, you know, when it's not federally illegal anymore. Right. Um, and I just don't know as much about that stuff in the, in the cannabis industry. Right. Well, cool, man. It's uh, this was a little, Oh, there it goes again. This was a little bit of a shorter, uh, traffic report this week. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we got some great, uh, we got some great tidbits, you know, so we got a new, uh, stash it GRB. Oh, GRWG. GRWG. Sorry about that. GRWG. Yeah, no, when I say stash it, I'm not super bullish on it going crazy, but right. I think it's just a good one to have if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be investing in the pot space, you know, throw, buy a little bit of that and sprinkle some shares of that in there. And, Absolutely. you know, I'm, right now I'm buying because it's, it, it's pretty, it's, it's, you know, been fluctuating a lot. And I think it's, it's at a good price point to add a little bit, you know, I'm not going to do anything crazy, but Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good, uh, especially when you are, you know, learning <clears throat> when you get a little bit of a skin in the game, you know, even if it's 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, I hate losing money. So, I mean, even when I buy small, um, you know, small stock investments, even on my cash app, sometimes I'll do it and I'll just learn about a whole new company and then make the decision to buy something small then. And then that almost motivates me to, you know, learn is learn a lot more. So, um, you know, whenever we say stash it, we're not going crazy by any means. This is a, you know, this is a journey. This is a marathon. We're, uh, we're not crazy risky guys by any means. So um, no. again, like what Reed was saying, when we say stash it, we're not, uh, you know, we're not selling the house. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not, we're not, uh, I'm buying all, all the stuff I'm buying. I'm going to sit on it, you know? Right. Right. You know, it's not something I'm getting to flip in six months. You know, I'm just kind of, you know, like Austin says, cost averaging, buying yeah. more every Dollar. month. Yeah. I mean, I've we're been, investing in these companies so. more than anything. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we're not just, we're not day trading by any means or just, you know, we're not jumping on uh, Wall Street bets and, you know, doubling down on, you know, Tilray or, or whatever. Sundial. Yeah. Sundial. sundial. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, we're, so. Yeah. yeah, we're trying to uh, just bring some education and uh, you know, shine some light on a on a big industry and a great space, and uh, you know some things are going to be around the rest of our lives. So let's get our piece of the pie. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But uh, again, man, thanks, Reed, and uh, we'll see you next week, my friend. All right, thank you, buddy. And that's all we got for this week, folks. Thanks again for being here with us. This is the Stash It or Pass It podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shugarts. And until next week, don't forget to check out those show notes. You can hang out with us on Instagram too. That's uh, at Stash It or Pass It. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jshugs 76 And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, bringing you some, uh, some more stories and updates next week. So until next time, Stash It.